All right. So, look, um, first thing is, welcome back to Film Street, right? Uh, second is, my name is Rob. I know I haven't said that in a while. I just kind of jump right into these episodes, but I realized, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and it reminded me, like, I kind of need to remember to uh, to introduce this a little bit better for anybody who's maybe new, just checking this out. And uh, so the idea here is that I just go through my watch list and I watch new films and new films, films that are new to me. I've seen a lot of films over the years, but even then, you know, it's like there's a lot of films that maybe they're classics or they're like uh, uh, films that are important in terms of pop culture or, you know, things you got to kind of be aware of. And for whatever reason, some of them slip by me or I just ignore them, just put them off. And so here's a chance for me to really work on my own personal watch list and talk about it with you guys. And as I've said in some previous episodes, it's like, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to talk to some friends or uh, people that are around me. It's like, hey, you seen this, seen that, whatever. And so I might as well record that and let's get it out in the open, you know. Plus, it actually makes me think about the films a little more. They're like really watch them. And I'm not here to be a critic or like do movie reviews necessarily. It is more of like looking at the craft of it and the process and the filmmakers and their ideas and their approach to it, you know, and trying to appreciate that. I mean, there are some films where it's been kind of tough, not always great picks here, but a lot of times I at least try to understand the intention, even if the results didn't quite work out so well. So with that in mind, that's generally what happens here. If you're new and uh, otherwise, let's uh, let's jump into some films here. I mean, well, actually, you know what? Before we do that, I want to talk about this series I've been watching on, I guess, Showtime or Paramount Plus or all of the above. I don't even know anymore. The Curse. And that's a series that is, well, the star is Emma Stone but also is created by and stars Nathan Fielder and Benny Safdie. And the premise of it is, it, on its face, it seems like something that is basically just a parody of a couple who is trying to get a, like one of these HGTV flipping homes types of, reality TV series. They're trying to make a show and all the little, you know, troubles and the, the issues they have to deal with in just producing the show. Right. So there is already that kind of double layer to it of having a show within a show on paper. It sounds like something you might've probably seen before, you know, and the thing here, though, is that this really does blur the line between reality and fiction in a strange way. It really is produced and crafted to look like a documentary. 
I mean, if you didn't recognize Emma Stone or Nathan Fielder or or even Benny Safdie, who honestly just dove into his character, <laughs> I mean, he's like almost unrecognizable. But if you didn't recognize them from any other films or, or anything else, you could maybe mistake this for a documentary. I mean, the fact that it's shot in such a way that it's shot with like long lenses. So you get a sense that you're not really connected to the action. You're kind of off at a distance. It's almost as if you just happen to see this stuff playing out. But then also the way it's edited, like it's, it's edited in the sense that it, a shot will hold for far too long. And even to the point where, you start to understand there's another layer going on. Like, it's not just about these characters and getting the show made. There is some real, like, there are some deeper issues happening underneath the surface for all of them, and for the whole situation, even. And, of course, by the end of the series, by the time you get to the last episode, there is, like, a real, like, fantastical element that happens. And it's not explained it's not even clear, like you don't even see anything kind of leading up to it to where you would think, oh, of course, this is what was going to happen next. It just kind of comes out of left field and it just goes and you are kind of left holding the bag. So the reason I come to that is, you know, I wasn't sure how to feel about this show. One, I wasn't sure how to feel about the way it was made, but also these characters, you know, the, the, the show I think does an interesting job of giving us these characters and presenting them in sometimes very unflattering ways, just the decisions they make, the things that they say that are either hurtful or irresponsible or just fake, you know, they're just performative. Because a shot will hold for 30 seconds longer than it maybe should, you see a facade fall away, or you see a tone change in the room or in a conversation. And those kind of things really, that, that's what tips off like, oh, there's more going on here. And I struggled with that just watching it as a series because I wasn't sure how I was supposed to feel. And not even maybe how I was supposed to feel, but I wasn't sure how I just felt on my own. And uh, there was a Q&A I saw, uh, I think it was by Showtime, and it was moderated by Christopher Nolan. As with uh, Nathan Fielder and Benny Safdie. And I thought, well, wait a minute, if they got Christopher Nolan to moderate this, to take time out of his day... There must be something really special going on here that I just wasn't seeing or wasn't really connecting. And so, uh, you know, I had stopped around episode four or five because I just I it was starting to feel a little bit painful. You know what I mean? As a viewer, because I'm like, I I don't like these characters and I don't even like this situation. And the show acknowledges that. Like, these aren't necessarily likable people. They aren't really doing the right thing. 
or they aren't really the people they are pretending to be. And through that Q&A, though, I started to understand, like, the intention there is not necessarily to cast judgment on these characters or, or their situation even, but it was about just finding that line between reality and fiction and how these TV shows, like the, the show within the show, is entirely fake. It is the most artificial thing in this whole show. In terms of this is what, uh, in this world of this show, this is what the public would see. And when you do get to the last episode and you really see some of the ramifications of it, like how it kind of lands with the public, um, I, I think that really drives it home. It's like, oh, this is all artifice. These shows that people watch on TV, these reality shows... They're entirely crafted. It's not a documentary. And I think that's where a lot of people confuse things is like, well, I'm watching real things happen. No, you're not. You're watching moments of real things edited together. And I guess at, at this point, most people understand that about reality TV. So that really backed me up into, all right, if this is the way the show is made, trying to find the line is so tricky. And here's where I come down to, I needed to understand a little more about this approach to storytelling, specifically on film or, or in television in this case. So I didn't necessarily want to talk about the, the curse so much, but I wanted to use that. Uh, I mean, that was my launching point into like, all right, I need to know more about the Safdie brothers, specifically because they... Benny Safty and his brother Josh Safty, they bring the filmmaking experience to this. I don't know if Nathan Fielder's done any film work. I know he's done a couple of TV series, but I wanted to go back into the Safty brothers and what they did early on. So I, I saw a good time, uh, I probably the year it came out, but I, I didn't see the theaters. I, I remember seeing it on, on home video, probably streaming, I guess. Um, of course, saw Uncut Gems, and I'll admit I was frustrated by it at first. It, it kind of gave me some anxiety, and I understood, of course, what they were going for, but it's just their storytelling style, it really kind of rubbed me wrong. You know, it was only after watching it a couple of other times afterwards that it started to feel a little more comfortable, at least a little more palatable, where I could kind of look past that a little bit and just really live in the story, live with these characters. And um, so I wanted to go back and look at their earlier films and I ended up going to um, Criterion Channel. They have, or they had a collection of their work up there. The two films I did get to see were Daddy Long Legs and Heaven Knows What. And man, I got to tell you, if there are films that really, really blur that line, these are great examples of it because there's such a rawness, a, a, a grittiness to them. They do feel like documentaries in a sense, like just the production style, like the, the, the techniques used. 
You know, there's so much of the the film is shot from a distance and the, the the performances they feel they really do feel improvised they feel like they just pointed a camera at some situation that was happening and you're watching it play out exactly as it did in real time and it's only afterwards when you can be a little bit removed from the actual story the the things that are happening and you can look at the technique and the craft of it and you realize oh wow this took a lot of work you know there's so much of it that is dependent on timing dependent on performance but also just the uh the ability to capture these things and sometimes it seems like the camera is like across the street or down the block and trying to capture this tiny moment, the nuances of quote unquote reality happening between these characters. And they don't talk in, I guess, film speak, you know, they don't talk in ways that, in ways that actors would in in ways that movie characters would. They talk like regular people and they stammer, they, they stutter, they, they don't really, it doesn't roll off polished, you know? So it feels like real people. And that effect is, is it works. I mean, it's not, it's not a shortcoming of the technique that these films are also really kind of disturbing. You know, Daddy Longlegs, it's about this man who's trying to raise his two sons, but he's a single father. He's dealing with the, you know, the ex-wife. He's dealing with money issues. He's dealing with, like, his living situation. There's a lot of things, a lot of plates he's trying to keep spinning and really just not making good decisions, not being responsible. Um, Honestly, not even being very likable. He's kind of a dick. And... There's a moment in the film that is, for anyone who's a parent, is completely horrifying when his two sons, um, I, I guess, basically overdose from his own actions. You know, he thinks he's doing the right thing, giving them something to help them sleep or whatever. And I, they kind of go into like a four day long coma or something like that. And yet it's handled in, I mean, first of all, like, don't, hey, man, if you're a parent, if you have children, don't end up in that situation. But then also don't handle it like this dude does. (laughs) It is the worst depiction of this kind of parent that I can think of. I mean, a recent memory, I guess. And it's one of those things where it, it horrifies you to think like there are people like this in the world that are parents. I know for me, for many people I know that have children, this is a part of the experience of being so afraid or worried that something you will do will have an effect that will, that ultimately could like put your children in danger, put their lives at risk. And you didn't mean for that to happen, but it could happen. 
And yeah, that's, I, I think that's the sort of subtext of it. Of course, the way it's depicting this film, it's like absolutely horrifying. And there, there's basically nothing that makes you want to see this man succeed in this part of his life of trying to keep his sons with him. I mean, there's a point where he basically just tries to run off with them. And it's, uh, it's hard to find a character to like in this film, put it this way. Even the kids, honestly. The kids are kind of assholes, too. <laughs> they're small kids, but they're, they're such... Um, they're, they're mischievous, and they're kind of rotten, in a sense. And maybe that's because of the environment they're in. But still, it's, it's hard to be like, oh, I see a way out for these people. So it's it's a hard watch, I think, honestly. I, I know there's like an autobiographical element to this where Josh and Benny Safdie, I think this is sort of crafted or patterned after their real experience with their single father. But, you know, look, I had a single father too. And my experience wasn't like this necessarily. It had its own uh, moments and ups and downs and whatever, but... I don't know if I would ever make a film about my experience growing up with my father. I mean, you've heard him on this. You've heard him in previous episodes. It's it's a different thing to say, well, you know, my father was an interesting, eccentric, maybe kind of a loose cannon in some ways. But to say, like, you know, well, my father was those things, but he was also trying to do his best and he was trying to be responsible. And maybe it worked sometimes, maybe it didn't. But this is how we ended up where we are. Man, in this film, I, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't know how this guy would still be alive, honestly. It's hard to find anything to really like about the characters or what the things that they do in this film. But backing it all up to, it's a film. It's not a documentary. And yet it is so convincing, so compelling the way it's produced, the way it's done, that you really buy in. You really believe like this is a real person and I, and they're despicable and irresponsible and I don't want anything to do with them, but they're not real. That's the craft. And the same goes for the curse where that line is so blurred. It's such a thin line and the style of storytelling, it, it just, just dances right on that line the whole time. And heaven knows what, it's a similar type of story. It's actually much darker and and more disturbing in the sense that it's dealing with a young woman who is uh, struggling with addiction, heroin, and um, basically having to find ways to get by, living on the street, you know, that the street life, uh, it's based on a book by Ariel Holmes, who is actually the lead of the films, the main character. And so there's a there's a sense of authenticity to it. You know, you feel like, well, this this is not a documentary either, but it seems like it's based on real events. You know, some of this may be like recreated from real experiences. But the way it's done, it does kind of feel like you're actually watching it really go down in the moment 
the only thing that kind of tips this off that this is a film, like this isn't just a, a documentary, like absolute reality, is that Caleb Landry Jones plays one of the characters, her, her the love interest, her boyfriend, whatever, um, kind of another, you know, dirtbag living on the street. And it's one of those things where it's like, man, if you don't know who he is, if you don't recognize him from anything, which I, I'm guessing a lot of people probably would at this point, you really could think like, yeah, this is, this is a documentary. In all of these films, uh, Daddy Long Legs, uh, Heaven Knows What, even uh, Good Time and Uncut Gems, there's something. There's one element, there's one moment that is either like fantastical or magical or there's some other presence, some other element that reminds you, okay, this is not real. This is artifice. And in here, it's such a subtle one. And Daddy Long Legs, it's pretty overt. Like you see a giant insect, both of those little flying bug deals with the, you know, they look like giant ass mosquitoes, right? Well, you see like a huge one, like a three foot tall one. In this, and heaven knows what, it's so subtle. I mean, you really, if you just aren't paying attention, you might not even realize what you saw, but it's there. And that and having a recognizable face in the cast, it, it does remind you, like, this is not real, even though it feels real and it looks real. And I, I guess that's just their fascination with that, what was it, like, verisimilitude, you know, with the, the idea of this looking and feeling real, but not being real. There are moments that look dangerous and terrifying in the first like five minutes of the film like the first scene is ariel she's she's distraught she's upset she's threatening to kill herself and this is all happening on the street like on the sidewalks her boyfriend Ilya, i think is his name he's like just pushing her he's like egging her on he's like you're gonna do it do it do it do it and she does it she cuts her wrists open and and it's shown, and it's one of those things where like, oh shit, like what did I just see? And you're like, well, okay, but how do you, you can't start the movie like that? But as the film goes on, like we go to the next scene, you're like, uh, okay, wow, well, um, if that's how we're starting it off, where are we going from here? And yeah, it's it's kind of a. It's kind of a daunting thought to think, oh man, that's the beginning of the film. So it's a, it's a little bit of a tough watch. And again, not a lot of, not a lot of characters here that you want to see, or or not even that you want to see. It's like you can't really imagine them succeeding, like coming out of the other side of this. And, you know, that's where I find there's a little bit of, um, I don't know the word, because I don't want to make this sound necessarily bad, but I, it just feels a little like exploitative, where you're peeking in on this culture or these characters, like these settings, you know, specifically heaven knows what, it's like this street life, this kind of like dirtbag porn of watching these people suffer and struggle 
just doing whatever they can to get a fix, living, just sleeping on the ground, all this kind of stuff, not making good decisions, not understanding how the world works. You know, there, there are people that live outside of the norm, let's say, but in a way that also makes them live outside of reality. And I don't think it's intended to be like an indictment of this type of lifestyle or this way of life, I guess, because people don't that people don't strive to to live this way. Right. We know that this is because people have kind of fallen on hard times, misfortunes, whatever happened, bad decisions. And people end up like this, even in daddy long legs. You know, the guy, he makes his bad decisions and he puts him in the places that he ends up in. And then when he puts his kids at risk, it's like doubly as bad. But nobody strives to get here. People kind of end up here. They hit those dead ends or they hit those walls, right? So to really tell a story that just like, it doesn't glamorize this. It doesn't romanticize it. It really shows us the warts and everything. But still, it's like, where's the... Where's the arc here? I feel like these characters don't change at all. This is just an exercise in documenting their struggle. And I don't know if I find it entertaining at all. But even then, I don't know what the longevity of that is, you know? Other than to show me a slice of life, uh, a slice of street life, I guess, that I might not otherwise know about, uh, I, I don't. I don't know what the goal is, you know? And I feel like the the thing that really kind of put a little bit of light on what I'm feeling is the, the documentary that's on Criterion Channel, uh, The Universe is Out There, that has interviews with both of the brothers. Uh, and it's like right in the moment where they're finishing up Good Time about to start, like they're prepping for Uncut Gems. So it's in a, a, a really interesting period where Uncut Gems is on the horizon and we see, now we know like, oh, that really worked out, you know? But in this documentary, we're getting a sense of who they are as filmmakers and their different personalities. You know, the two brothers, they have different styles, different ways of working and, and just thinking about things. And we just get a sense of like, uh, that they're just kind of regular guys. They don't necessarily present as a part of these uh, hard ways of life that are depicted in their films. They don't seem like they're like grown up street kids, you know? And so it's interesting to understand like, okay, that is part of being the artist is you can create a world and create Characters that are not known to you, right? They're not like just the way you grew up or the way you have always lived life. They're not from the environment you come from. That's every, pretty much every artist. But the thing is to make it feel so real, so authentic, so true, uh, that takes a lot of craft. And I think that's the strength here. That's where it really did, okay, you changed you change me. You got me turned around now. Because I was really starting to feel not so great about what these guys might be doing. You know? Because I, I think I was just looking at the work the wrong way. 
And once I saw like, okay, but they were doing some of this as in daddy long legs, it was a little bit of a, um, a little bit of, of an homage, but also a criticism of their experience growing up with their father. And even with heaven knows what, I mean, I think part of it was to shed some light on this type of life that some people live and the struggle. I think the main thing for me is like, I, I don't necessarily need things to have a happy ending. I, that's not necessary, but I feel like there should be some kind of arc, you know? The character should move at some point from being this to being that. Whether that is better or worse, uh, that's it doesn't matter to me. But if I feel like, well, the character hasn't really done anything, they haven't learned a lesson, they haven't found some new opportunity or gained some new knowledge, it, it just seems like, I feel like those films are a little bit incomplete. I mean, I can say with Uncut Gems that well, that character certainly arrived at a destination, you know? So all in all, I mean, these films are really interesting in terms of the approach, right? The the style, the technique that they're created with. And it does make me interested to know what's coming next. I mean, The Curse, I guess for Benny Safi, this was a pretty big project. And not just in terms of making it, but also starring in it, acting in it. Because, like I said, he's kind of unrecognizable. He doesn't look like his character at all in Good Time. He doesn't even look like himself. As a matter of fact, <laughs> the character he plays in the show, Dougie, who is the producer of the TV series, and he's kind of working with the two characters, uh, was it Whitney and Asher? He's so... Um, frayed and unravels as the show goes on and you kind of think oh well of course that's the guy that makes films like heaven knows what and good time and and on all these but that's not even benny safty like that's a character like he doesn't look anything like that he doesn't necessarily from what i can see act like that so it's a real, like I said, the lines are so blurry. Like, where's fiction and where's reality? It's like the, the, the dilemma of it all is where's the truth? And you could say, well, the truth is in the reality. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is in creating something, in the artifice of it. I mean, I sound like I'm so high right now. But I'm, I swear, <laughs> I'm trying to put a, a lucid, coherent thought together that this is, I mean, I think that's the idea is they are exploring this territory. Where does the truth really come from? Is it strictly from reality, from the real world that we actually live in? Or is it somewhere in between there and making shit up, you know? So, I don't know, man. I guess we're out in the weeds now, you know? We're kind of getting lost in the sauce. But I think, look, that's what I think good art and good artists provoke. They provoke you to get in deep and think about some things. So, in that regard, I, look, I say job well done, I guess. You know, it's not easy to do that. It's not easy to challenge people to the point where they kind of question how they watch or understand things. So 
Um, these films, you know, I don't know. I saw them on Criterion Channel. I don't know if there's another place you can see them if you if you want to find them somehow. Uh, I know Good Time and Uncut Gems. Those are probably a little more uh, easier to find. But yeah, these are interesting watches. And I'm definitely looking forward to whatever comes next from these two brothers. So, all right. Um, hey, if you want to find some other episodes, filmstreak.com is the place to go. There's also a, a link to an IMDb list that I keep up with. It has all the films I've talked about. Uh, that way you can use that to either find out more about them, like where to watch them. You can add them to your own watch list, you know, get into this hole that I'm in. In the meantime, I'm going to go do what I do and watch something new.